0: Today, on the conversation with Dr. Scott Camp.
1: You know, you can be a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, somebody who loves Jesus with all your heart, and your kids can go in a direction that is different from everything you've ever taught them, and it breaks your heart. But you can't live your kids' lives for them, and sometimes even good kids make choices that are devastating to them.
0: Welcome to the Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. Dr. Camp has survived a life of drug and alcohol abuse and incarceration. Since giving his life to Christ, he has been a pastor, evangelist, author, college professor, and dean of students. He has also been a program guest with the Billy Graham Crusade. Dr. Camp's unique blend of life experiences have given him a powerful, relevant ministry to reach the unreachable with the message of Christ. Now... Let's listen as Dr. Kemp delivers a special sermon on the prodigal son.
1: You know, because I didn't grow up in a Christian family, more than anything else, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a, a family that would love Jesus and You've met Josh and Maddie, and we're so proud of them. Josh interned all summer at the largest Southern Baptist church in Kentucky, and he preached there on Sunday morning, worked with the teenagers, hundreds of them. And the hand of God is on Josh's life. He's traveling and preaching and singing, and we're so proud of him. He loves Jesus, and, of course, Madison, our baby who loves the Lord and is a powerful, bold witness everywhere she goes and has just always loved Jesus like her mom. And then we have Sarah, and Sarah teaches preschool at First Baptist Church in Dallas at their private school, and she loves the Lord, graduated from Criswell Bible College and our son-in-law Tyler is an architect and they've just given us our first grandson Theo and I get it now grandparents amen I didn't used to get it but now I get it and I can't keep my hands off that little Theo Theodore a gift from God and so we have Sarah who's always loved the Lord and served the Lord and Josh and Maddie and then we have another son His name is Dylan. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 22. And you know this passage. It's very familiar. It says that if we train up a child in the way that he or she should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. When Dylan was 13 years old, he came to his mom and me, and he said, I want to talk to you. We sat down, and Dylan said, Mom and Dad, I'm gay. And then he said, all of this stuff about Jesus, it doesn't really make any sense to me. I mean, I think Jesus probably existed, and he was probably a good teacher. But I don't really understand how a man could at the same time be God. So he said, I don't really want to be a Christian. I don't want to follow Christ. And then he said, I'm going to live my own life, and I'm going to live it the way I want to live it and I hope we can still be close, but that's the way it is. And over the next decade, we watched our son's life unravel before our eyes. I'm an evangelist. I'm gone 48 weeks a year. I travel all over the world. Josh and I are about to go to Columbia to preach the gospel on an island that's full of witchcraft and animism and drugs. I'm gone a lot from my wife and from my family, and it's just the cost. God's given us the grace, given my wife the grace to be married to an evangelist, but I wouldn't be truthful with you if I didn't tell you that there were many times when I would be out in the middle of nowhere, maybe in a little hut in Africa somewhere, or maybe somewhere in the United States, all alone, and the devil would literally torment me. He would say to me, you're a fool, your wife's going to get bitter. Your own son is going against everything that he's ever been taught. He doesn't even believe in this Jesus. Nobody really cares about what you have to say anyway. And you're a failure. And the only thing I could do is just slip down beside my bed and cover my pillow in tears saying, God, don't forget me. Don't forget my family. Lord, we dedicated Dylan to Jesus when he was a little boy. And Lord, we've taught him. We've taught him what's right, what's wrong. We've taught him about the cross and about Jesus. There were times when I was home that Gene and I would literally cry ourselves to sleep at night. We would hold each other as our son's heart got harder and harder and harder. We had to put Dylan in a psychiatric hospital because he had lost so much weight. He looked like a bag of bones. And he began to battle depression and thoughts of suicide. And here I am. I'm going all over the country. I'm a professor of apologetics In a university, I've written a book on the power of the Holy Spirit and how he can overcome every obstacle. And my own son is agnostic toward Jesus Christ and has rejected everything that he's ever been taught. And I think, Gina, if she were honest with you, and she always is, would say, that there crept into her heart a little anger toward God. God, this is not fair. God, we've served you and we've sacrificed and we've laid it all out for the cause of the gospel. And Lord, why why is this going on in our family? Dylan began to use drugs And I got that phone call about this time last year. It was August of last year. As we've been praying for our son and crying out to God and reminding God. You know, I never get mad at God and argue, but we do have some very honest conversations from time to time. Amen. And the phone call was from Dylan, and he said, Dad, I've been arrested. You know, sin always starts out looking so good. But all the devil's bright, red, shiny apples are full of worms. Amen. And you might think you know more than your parents. And you might think that you can't wait till you get out from mom and daddy's roof and you can go do whatever you want to do you might be like a young man who came up to me I'll never forget him he was in my youth group He said, man, I'm so sick and tired of everybody telling me what to do. He said, my dad's not gonna tell me what to do anymore. My mom's not gonna tell me what to do. The school's not gonna tell me what to do. He said, you're not even gonna tell me what to do. He said, nobody is ever gonna tell me what to do because I'm leaving home and I'm gonna go join the army. I said, okay. Dylan called from jail and said, Dad, I got arrested. I was just smoking some weed in a park. He said, the officer arrested me and he roughed me up and I'm in jail. Can you come get me out? And I said, yes, son. So I went and got my son out, and you know, I was in such hopes that this would be the moment for him, that this would be the time when he would repent and say, Dad, man, I've been wrong. But when he got out, he began to make excuses, began to blame the police, and We even went and saw a lawyer. You know, you always want to believe the very best about your kids, but it turned out it all unraveled, and we just prayed, cried, until a few weeks later, he called again from the jail, and he said, Dad, I got arrested again. I said, Son, what in the world happened? He said, I was in the same park, doing the same thing, the same officer. You know, sin will make you stupid. Amen? He said, Dad, would you just come get me out? And the Holy Spirit of God said, you just leave him right there because I'm working on him. You know, sometimes you can short circuit what God wants to do in the life of somebody that you really love by getting them out of the hog pen before they're really ready to get out of the hog pen. Amen. And everything within me, Gina said, are you going to go get him out? And I said, I can't do it because the Holy Spirit told me just to leave him in there because God's working on him. So he called, and he said, Dad, I I was able to get out. He got in some kind of a deferred adjudication and was able to get out. He said, Dad, I'm out, but could you just come get me? He had totaled two cars, didn't have a car. He said, couldn't you come get me? And I said, of course, son. Mom and I and Maddie and Josh are out. We're going to go eat lunch. Then i got to leave town. But we'll swing by there and get you, and we'll go out to eat lunch. We'll be there in just a little bit. And when we went to get Dylan, I could tell that something had happened in his heart because he was very quiet, very sullen, very pensive, thinking deeply. We went to our favorite restaurant in Arlington, Texas, where we live. It's a Mediterranean restaurant, and we like to eat outside, and so we went out and ordered our food, and nobody really said anything. Dylan sat there with his head down, and they brought us our food, and as I looked across the table, my son, Dylan, who's very creative, and very gifted, and very brilliant, won an award from Columbia University, a senior year in high school, a journalism award. He could have gone anywhere he wanted to go, but no drive, no ambition, no, just an empty void. I looked across. He never has been very emotional. He was very difficult as a child, very self-willed, very stubborn. And now I looked across and my son began to weep. Tears and then after a few moments of flood and then he just buried his head in his hands and his shoulders began to shake and he began to weep and he said dad i've been such a fool he said i thought that you and mom were so stupid and then he said but dad i'm so lost I'm so lost. And then he said, Dad, I need God. I need God in my life. And I looked over at Gina and she was crying. And I looked at Maddie and she had her head down. She was praying. And I looked at Josh and his eyes were full of tears. And then I said, Son, are you ready to give your heart to Jesus? And he shook his head, yes. And I said, son, can you say, the Holy Spirit really gave me a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. And I said, son, can you say Jesus is Lord? Just say out loud, Jesus is Lord. And he could not physically say the words And the Holy Spirit of God showed me. I said, son, have you been involved in the occult? Have you been involved in witchcraft? Have you been involved in darkness? And he began to shake his head, yes. I said, son, do you have things in your room? Dylan, we have a two-story home, and Dylan kind of has his own area, and nobody wanted to go around Dylan's room. For one reason, the city was about to condemn our house because of the filth that was in Dylan's room. But there was something dark about it. And I said, are there things in your room right now that are demonic? And he said, yes. I said, son... Are you? Would you be willing to get all that garbage out? And he said, yes. So none of us had eaten a bite. I got the check. I paid the book bill. We went to our house just a few blocks away. My little daughter, Maddie, was 15 at the time. She said, man, I'm not afraid of the devil. Give me some trash bags. Amen. Dylan went in his room, and he filled up two big trash bags full of evil, junk, garbage, you say, man, you're a preacher. I know. I know. You know, you can be a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, somebody who loves Jesus with all your heart and your kids' can go in a direction that is different from everything you've ever taught them, and it breaks your heart. Can you testify to that? Amen? Amen. The prodigal son's dad was a good dad, but you can't live your kids' lives for you, for them, and sometimes even good kids make choices that are devastating to us. Dylan went and filled up two garbage sacks full of junk and took them out to the curb. Then he came back in and I said, son, are you ready now to call on the name of the Lord? And my son dropped to his knees, weeping, lifted his hands up and said, Jesus is Lord, called out. To the name of Jesus. And from that day to this day, my son has been a different young man. Amen. Praise God. To the glory of God. I'll come through the house now. My son will be over in a in a chair with a cup of coffee, reading the Bible and journaling and writing things and answering prayer. We were in a we had a family prayer meeting not long ago, and you know Dylan has never even wanted. He's never even paid any attention. He said, "Dad, I'd like to pray," and he just opened up his heart and began to cry out. Now he's back in school. He started his own little business. He's not perfect, but his life is going in the right direction as a follower of Jesus. Here's what I came to. First Baptist Church to tell you, train up a child in the way she should go and when she is old. God is faithful to keep his promise. Amen. God will bring your son and your daughter back to everything that you've ever taught. So don't give up. Come on, church. Amen. Don't you give up. I don't have any confidence in Dylan. I don't even have any confidence in me. But I've got all confidence in the world in a God who is a God of covenant, who is a God who said, you and your household shall be saved. Amen. And when you can't do anything else, stand on the promises of a God who cannot fail. Amen. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed all over this place. How many of you have a son or a daughter who is away from God? Let me see your hand all over this room. you got a son or a daughter that is away from God. I want you to get up out of your seat and come join me at this altar right now. Come on, every parent. Come on, every grandparent. Come right now. Get up out of your seat. And come join me at this altar from all over this place. How many of you have a mom or a dad who does not know Jesus? Let me see your hand all over this place. Let's just get on our knees before the Lord. Amen. All over this building. You got a mom or dad that doesn't know the Lord. Come on right now. Come on right now. Everybody with a mom or a dad that doesn't know the Lord. You got somebody in your life. You know, I didn't have... I didn't grow up in a Christian home, my mom was an alcoholic, she was married many, many times, had many lovers, she was an alcoholic, I got to lead my mama to Jesus about six years before she went to heaven, don't you ever give up on God, amen, some of you whose kids have gone astray, and you can testify to me that God is a covenant-keeping God. Why don't you just get up out of your seat, come kneel around some of these parents, and kneel around them, put your arm around them. Come on right now, don't let them be up here alone, church. Come on. Come kneel around somebody and put your arm around them. Let them know God is faithful. They won't mind, just kneel around them. god's a good god he loved you so much that he gave his son to die on the cross josh and maddie sang about the cross a moment ago what a savior he died for us so that our sins could be forgiven And three days later, he rose from the dead, and he is alive. Jesus Christ is alive, and he has the power to change your life today. You might be the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. Maybe you're way away from everything you've ever been taught, everything your mom and dad raised you to believe, and you've been fighting against it. I want to tell you, you can run, but you can't hide from God. There's nothing more powerful than the tears of a praying mama. Some of your moms have been praying for you, and they might have brought you here today. Somebody brought you here today, and you don't know Jesus. Matter of fact, could we quietly and reverently, everybody that knows the Lord, would you begin to pray for people around you who don't know the Lord? Could be somebody that you're sitting next to and they don't know the Lord. They know about the Lord. I think everybody in Mount Vernon's been to church at least once. And there's a big cross on this top of the steeple of this church. You know why? Because the cross is the symbol of Christianity. The cross is where heaven and earth met together. Where righteousness and love kissed each other. And all the sins of the world were put on Jesus. So that we could be forgiven. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it time for you to come home? Isn't it time for you to come back to God? What's keeping you from Jesus? You know you need him. Everybody needs Jesus because we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law, but God loved us so much that he gave his son to die for our sin. And all you have to do is call out to him. He's working in your heart. He's speaking to you right now. That, That desire that you feel, man, I need to get right with God. Don't you take that for granted. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Don't you say no to God. It's dangerous to say no to God. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to do what I did in a jail cell when I was 17 years old to do what my son did in our living room that morning. Just say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to voice a prayer for everybody in the room who is not sure that you are saved. You're not sure that if your heart stopped beating right now, you'd be in heaven forever. And besides all that, it's not just about going to heaven when you die. It's about heaven coming into your life. It's about you becoming the person that you were intended to be. Every gift that God gave my son, Dylan, he's now using for the glory of God. God's given you a lot of gifts. He's given you dreams And God wants to use those dreams, those gifts, to bring glory to himself. Why don't you quit fighting, God? Your arms are too short. You can't box with God. You're going to lose. And there are people praying. Matter of fact, I want every Christian who has a burden for a lost person to get up out of your seat right now and come kneel at the altar. Join these who are already here. Come on right now. If you're a Christian and you have a burden for the lost... And it might be somebody in this room. Get up right now and come kneel right here. And let's talk to God about those people. You don't ever talk to a man about God until you talk to God about that man. Why don't you come and praise somebody into the kingdom of God right now. You have a burden for a lost friend. You have a burden for a lost family member. Come on. Just come find a place you can kneel. And just talk to the Lord about them. Just do what Gina and I did. We would hold each other at night and cry. And remind God of his promise that you will be saved in your household. Just come on. Ask God. God, break their hard heart. God, give them repentance. Help them to believe the gospel. And then I want to voice a prayer for everybody in the room. Who needs Jesus. Everybody listening by radio. Everybody watching over the internet. You don't know the Lord. Today's your day. Today is the day of salvation for you. Christ loves you and died for you and rose from the dead. Call on his name. And the Bible says you'll be saved. So I want to voice a prayer for everybody in this room. Everybody listening. Everybody watching. I want to voice a prayer to God, not because you're saved by a prayer. You're not saved by saying a prayer. You're saved by Jesus. But when you pray, you're talking to Jesus. And he loves you, and he's listening. He knows your heart. It's not even the words that come out at your heart. But why don't you believe God, believe his promise, that whoever calls on his name will be saved.
0: You have been listening to The Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. Today's broadcast is taken from a sermon on the prodigal son. To get a copy of Dr. Camp's book, A Primer on Power, or to partner with Dr. Camp, you can go to scottcamp.org. Thank you for listening to The Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. Please tune in again tomorrow morning at 730 for a new conversation.